This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Michael here with you, and I am in the studio with Deborah Giampapa. Deborah is an office administrator at the Village Church. You may know the term better as church secretary from way, way, way back in the day, but Deborah, is it fair to say that what you do is way bigger than a church secretary? Yes. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's a fair statement. Now, um, this whole week, um, we're going to be interviewing um, some of the ladies on the Village Church of Bartlett staff, and uh, very excited. We're going to actually have at the end of the week a roundtable discussion. We're all going to sit together and talk about what is it like to be a woman in ministry? What is it like to be a female on staff? What's it like to work for a church? And just some other personal questions. And I'm really excited to hear all y'all Uh, process that together. And uh, before we do that, we have three asks of our listeners. Number one is, would you submit a question? Deborah? there's one of two ways you can do it. The first is at the Village Church website, which is? www.vcob.org. Awesome. You get a pay raise. And the (laughs) second way you can submit a question is through the Village Church app. You can download that, obviously, at the App Store, submit a question right at the front page. Number two, you can share this episode pretty please and uh, if you know somebody who works for a church especially a woman who works for a church um, this would be a great episode to share with them and uh, number number three what is number three deborah rate and review yes if you'd rate and review the podcast that'd be tremendous um so deborah are you ready i am all right so deborah this is i think your first time on a microphone in a studio ever um are you a little bit nervous i am yeah what mm-hmm. makes you nervous about this the microphone the microphone <laughs> are you afraid it's gonna like come get you um just how you sound just how you sound yeah you sound amazing yeah all right so deborah there are a number of village churches who listen to this and they um truly don't know what happens in a church um, they don't know what you do they don't know some of the daily things that we interact with um, i do think that people who work in a church there's more misunderstanding around that role, um, whether you are an office administrator, whether you're a pastor or a director, it doesn't matter. And uh, so could you just give us a bird's eye view? What are some of the big things every week that you're responsible for as the office administrator? Well, first of all, I think um, it's just the dailies, which are running the office in terms of mail, answering phones, processing um, receipts, and um, just helping people facilitate their needs through the office for each individual ministry. Yep. And then it's kind of multitasking whatever comes through the door that I can be helpful with, dealing with people off the street that come in that might want to know about our church, which is probably one of my most you know favorite aspects yep. of my job, or taking phone calls where people are looking for a church, kind of the same thing, seeking things out helping with um, various different tasks when it comes up for different ministry needs, just coming alongside of those. Shopping, you know, yep. keeping the kitchen stocked, just just a variety of whatever ends up from administrative to just helpfulness. So, I mean, in the everyday life of a church, there are multiple, multiple ministries, multiple people who call, who need registration, who want to learn about the church. Um, one of the one of my favorite things about you is that you are uniquely equipped to handle doctrinal, theological, practical phone calls. Um, especially, we, I mean, you've had some pretty strange people call you. Mm-hmm. So, what are some of the what are some of the typical things? Um, that people want to know when they call outside of the ordinary, like what time is church start and stuff like that. But tell us about some of those really unique conversations where you get to talk to people about faith and searching mm-hmm. for a church, et cetera. 
I think that sometimes people are really interested in understanding where we are on certain issues, mm-hmm. like what we believe it means to have a relationship with Christ. Mm. What do we believe in terms of the end times? What do we believe a church looks like when it's functioning mm. in terms of women serving in ministry, men serving in ministry? Just down to the friendliness, some of the questions are like, what kind of a loving atmosphere does our church have or not have? People are really interested in understanding how we function as a body Mm. and um, how we come alongside of each other and how we practically love each other. Yeah. Have you been able to have uh, counseling uh, phone calls just Mm -hmm. with people who call? I mean, because inevitably people are going to want help. Mm -hmm. Um, what are some examples of like, or what are some situations that typically come up when, when people actually need help? Are you able to engage that? Do you mm-hmm. typically refer? Like, what do you do in those? It depends on what the subject matter is, mm-hmm. but often you will you might have people that are searching for a church because perhaps they felt hurt by a church. Yep. Perhaps they didn't feel that people wanted to genuinely come alongside of them and know them and help them with their struggles. So in that area, at times I'm able to encourage them that the body's here to love them, mm-hmm. not judge them. And so, yes, I have opportunities like that. And depending on how deep the um, question is doctrinally, that gets passed off to one of the pastors so that they have an opportunity to sincerely connect with the leaders in our church. Craziest, funniest, most awkward or weirdest phone call you've received that you're comfortable sharing? Um, I did have someone call and start talking to me about end times and telling me the craziest things. <laughs> and uh, I was trying so hard to, you know, just to be lovingly receiving without being critical and encouraging them to, you know, maybe take a step back and yep. come in and view our church. But um, so, you know, some crazy, you know, phone calls with people's ideas of what the Bible's actually saying, Mm -hmm. especially in the book of Revelation. So that's kind of (laughs) funny and, you know. All right, so Deborah, um, I have known many church secretaries, office administrators, et cetera, and it is rare, and I mean rare, 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 that they are not, um, after especially a couple years, frustrated at the church, Mm. the leadership, organization, financial policies, financial habits. Um, in fact, it is really rare when a church secretary comes off staff, for whatever reason, um, that they stay in the church for very long. Um, and the reality is, um, and many people don't know this, right? You may not be making major decisions, but you are functioning as a support system that is holding everything up in a very powerful, influential way. You get to see the holes in the system. If you have two staff members that are at each other's like throats, for example, you know about it because you hear it, you watch it, you see who comes in and out, you watch the nonverbals. I mean, and one of the things I appreciate about you is that you are very discerning. You pick up on um, just, we'll say, undertones in relationships pretty quickly. Um, And so I want to give our audience an opportunity to hear candidly from you. So I want to make sure everybody knows um, about the question I'm going to ask you. I don't need you to give a great answer that says Village Church is the most amazing place on the planet and there are no issues because um, around us in the studio are one, two, three, four other staff members, okay, in like who are listening, who know if you're not honest, they're going to be like, well, <laughs> it's not that neat, nice and cut and dry, whatever. Um, so I'd love for you to just share candidly because uh, just the question, what have you learned positively or negatively about the village church and uh, even just some questions that shoot off of that. Um, how has it changed positively or negatively your 
view of the village church, your view of the local church, your love for the church. Just talk about your personal relationship with the local church and how your job has affected that and what you've learned about village. Well, I think that if you, um, you know, understood some of my background where mm-hmm. I spent about 15 to 20 years prior to coming to the village church, you would know that the opportunity to see people be genuine And in that, I mean just transparent. Mm -hmm. We are not perfect people. We need to, you know, express grace to one another. And having the opportunity to work for the church and see that we are all real, that we do have our little idiosyncrasies (laughs) in our personalities where, you know, for me, I'm like an organizational freak. So it upsets me when the office looks like a bomb blew up in it. Which is never my office, right? No, No, not Michael's, never. (laughs) And, you know, usually, you know, people probably have to adjust themselves a little bit or Mm -hmm. make, uh, you know, some variances to meet that little negative about my personality that I get bent out of shape with mess. So I think that I've learned that I'm human and others have to tolerate my imperfections. Mm. I try hard to make sure that I keep that perspective, that they're tolerating mine, so I'm trying to tolerate theirs. And just have an attitude that we are all about the bigger mission, which Mm. isn't ourselves, but it's the goal and end, and that is to make disciples. That's kind of what I've realized is that we are all human with our faults. Can can we just stop there for a minute, Deborah? Yes. Can you say the letter H? (laughs) H. Now say human. Human. <laughs> now say huge. Huge. <laughs> You're like Donald Trump. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. huge. So, so <laughs> I love it. All right. So, Deborah, I'm not going to let you off the hook yet. Um, and then we'll go on to talk about other things. But um, what have you... Um, how has working at a church positively impacted you um, or even negatively? Have there been parts that have just been really hard for you personally as an office administrator? Well, the first thing that I would say that's positive is that I was so excited to um, think that as I got older, mm-hmm. that I would be able to bring my gifts and use my gifts in a way that were meaningful. So I've been really delighted to not feel like I've been laid aside as I've gotten older. Amen. But um, that I can by, take all that God's by, showed me. By older, you're not in your 60s. No, no, no. Uh, you're not in your I, late 50s. I'll be 52. You're, you're still, you are young until you're in your 70s, Deborah. Oh, well, all I right, like good. that. I like yes. that. And then, you know, I guess the negative for me is also kind of that positive because I'm challenged constantly like this podcast mm-hmm. to stay current, to stay, to learn technical things, to, technology, <laughs> yeah. to get an iPod and figure out how it, or, or an iPhone and yeah. figure out how it works. These to, infernal devices. Right, yeah, to do Slack. Um, you know, and I, I, when I first started in the office, I sort of felt like everyone was talking a foreign language because some of the words your generation uses and being that most of our staff is young, younger than me, we'll say, you know, they use words and I'd be like, oh, I don't know what they're saying. (laughs) But um, so I've delighted in the opportunity to um, continue to grow, to grow as a person and to grow in my usefulness, to not kind of stay stuck in what I think I should be like or what I, you know, my ways in terms of my generation. So that's been a really exciting aspect to me and even though today made me incredibly nervous for the last week (laughs) um i also felt really excited that i'm pushed and challenged to be um impacting this generation so i'm I'm grateful so let me talk 
at you for a mm-hmm. moment, okay? Audience, when Deborah came on staff, she could barely use email, did not have a Facebook account. Um, Word, Microsoft Word was like, what? Um, so when people often think, okay, we're going to hire an office administrator, we're usually like, okay, here are all the qualifications we want. But what Deborah had, and this was interesting, is what you had is maturity, joy, discipleship, passion, love for Jesus, organizational skills that, and we'll say flexibility, because sometimes office administrators can be the least flexible people on the planet, you know? And you also had a teachable spirit. And so for like six months, you were on like a pretty steep learning curve. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bethany was your, is your, is, was your boss. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and you did a stellar, amazing job to the point where how long have you been on staff at Village now? A little over two years. A little over two years. Mm-hmm. And you are like, totally on the ball you are fluent there on my end and i know i speak for bethany when i say this there are very few of any technological hiccups um it's just a non-issue you just jumped in and you nailed it and you did awesome and uh you were completely worth um investing in and training and teaching and the fact that you were willing to do that is huge because most people in their 50s it's huge most (laughs) people in their 50s are not willing to do it and your humility is second to none. And I just want to look at you and say, you're amazing. Um, every time I come into the office, your joy, even when you're not happy, right? You still bring just an air of peace and it's going to be okay. And uh, your maturity. And then on top of that, Deborah, you are in a position to uniquely influence many, many people behind the scenes, but then also directly because you and Sam, your husband, you lead a community group. Mm-hmm. Um, your husband, Sam, leads our prayer ministry at the church. And uh, you guys have an incredible opportunity to impact. And uh, you've spoken into my life many times because now you're like a mom to me. I might be your pastor, but you're still like my mom. So uh, I'll embrace that role any day. So you are doing an amazing job and I appreciate you. Um, and I know that our I don't hear complaints about you, which is amazing. Amazing. Because let's be honest, people like to complain about church staff. Can I get an amen <laughs> from everybody in the back room? Right. And I don't hear complaints like this. Like, that's amazing. So you make me very happy. I'm glad you're here. Now, um, what I want to do is shift gears and we have a couple minutes left. And what many people may not know is that you came out of a pretty strict fundamentalist background mm-hmm. for 15 to 20 years. Uh, and, and just a few paragraphs. Could you just summarize um, how long you were there? what that was like, and just how the Lord brought you from there um, out of that world. Mm -hmm. Well, we did spend about 15 to 20 years um, involved in fundamentalism. And during that journey, I think that God taught us an incredible amount in terms of the value of his word and studying his word and disciplining yourself to his word. Those were some wonderful things that came with that package. But also at the same time, somewhere through the course of that, I think that, in my opinion and my experience, there a line gets crossed over, and they begin to lay out what that should look like for everybody. So they make a bunch of rules, which mm-hmm. fundamentalism, at the end of the day, if you could summarize the error, is they create extra biblical rules, yeah. mandate it, yes. mandate them on people, and then your maturity in the Lord is often measured by your obedience to man-made rules. Exactly. Is that a good description? Mm-hmm, that's exactly yeah. true. And so where you came from, there were a lot of rules. Like what were some mm-hmm. of the rules, for example, that were extra biblical um, that you had to abide by or else you'd be considered immature? Well, being that we were in leadership, um, the fact that if I didn't abide by certain rules and standards in regards mm-hmm. to how I dressed myself. Did you wear a doily on your head? Um, I did wear a head covering. <laughs> <laughs> I call, um, I call them doilies. Mm-hmm. I had a whole little, uh, whole little array of head coverings. Do you still have those? No, I got rid of them as soon as we left. <sighs> That'd be sweet um, for Halloween if you could be fundamentalist, Deborah. <laughs> but um, 
you know, and, and it, that became really. <laughs> Michael, Michael, Michael. <laughs> what's a culotte? <laughs> I'm serious. Um, I keep okay, hearing people I, say this. What's a culotte? I don't know what a culotte is, though. It's a really super <laughs> oversized skirt with a split in the middle so that there'd be absolutely no opportunity for your dress to come apart. Like, I that's how I would describe it. The would, would not be good. Oh, you know, like sewn up the middle, like oh, like two, okay. like so super open, large, but it was like right. the opportunity sewn up for, the middle. You know, like you if know. you fell off a building, mm-hmm. you could parachute. You could parachute down Sweet. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, double um, double protection with the doily. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yes, yes. It became really restrictive to to think that my my uniqueness in Christ mm. was being dictated to me, mm. and in that, with all sincerity, I lost my joy. Mm. Um, I also could no longer see God. My my heart began to cross a line somewhere in that process that instead of me worrying about how I was pleasing the Lord, yeah. I started worrying about how I was pleasing man. Yep. And I really got to such a sad state where I cried out to God and said, I can't see you anymore. I can't see you in my life anymore because I'm so consumed with these pressures yeah. and standards around me that someone else has decided for me. Mm. You know, that just put me in a place where I, like I said, sincerely just cried out to the Lord that I, I'm your child mm. and and I don't believe you would want me to feel like this. So fundamentalist churches have a reputation for um, KJV only, right? Mm-hmm. Staunchly. Mm-hmm. And we'll say very um, conservative music. So the idea mm-hmm. of like, so what we do at Village would be very challenging. So how, could you just describe briefly your and Sam's journey out of that world to the point where you are a hundred percent comfortable with me preaching from the English standard version mm-hmm. and for what is considered contemporary loud progressive music at village church. Like how, how has that transition happened for you and Sam? Well, first of all, the, um, it is true that fundamentalism by large is King James only, but the church we were in, he actually was not in, in That's that, rare. In, right. In that, that is fold. really rare. So we actually studied out of the New American Standard wow. at certain, uh, I think it was Sunday nights. So pre- we didn't that. have that kind of legalism put on us that the only valid word of God was King James. But the music issue, um, I, you know, that's very true. You know, it would never have even been remotely considered worship music, good music that we yep. should be listening to in terms of um, contemporary Christian music. Yep. It was all old hymns, piano, violin, Mm. that type of thing. No drums, no guitar, never, never. And I think that when we made that decision to leave fundamentalism, we spent some time um, studying the Word of God again for ourselves. Mm. Um, My husband has a background in being able to teach the Word of God. Mm -hmm. So we had some really good time searching that again and finding our love again, falling back in love with God and hearing his voice speaking to us as opposed to man speaking to us. And then, you know, I would say that our journey back has just, it's been the opportunity to experience that you're unique in Christ and that God does want us to have joy. And, you know, in just a small way, music is joy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and music is reflective of emotions and there Mm -hmm. might be a time for a hymn, but there also could be a time for, you know, a jubilant song, Mm -hmm. something full of joy. And so I think that that's important too, you know, so we found that God is, um, he's not just one thing. He's expressive and he has emotions. So last question for you before we, before we head out, Village Church for me has truly genuinely been the most healing place in my life. And many people who have come to Village Church have many, I would say the majority, 
have been deeply wounded by church. It's interesting because most pastors, you know, they have like a love-hate relationship with the church at times, to be honest, um, with their elder board and whatnot. And my experience of Village has been the complete opposite, um, is that I have grown in my joy in the Lord, my calling, my love for the church, unity with the church. It's been really the most incredible experience I've had personally. How has your experience at Village Church helped you build your joy and um, helped heal some of the wounds of your former fundamentalism? Because the body of Christ is supposed to be part of that healing process. In the Village Church of Bartlett, I find that people are so willing to be transparent mm. and be um, encouraging to one another as we're, we're taking this journey with Christ, as he's revealing our sin, as we're dealing with difficult things that come up in our world. It um, it has been a joy to be able to be genuinely known mm. and have people love me in spite of my faults, which I think is is exactly what Christ is for us. Mm. He accepts us where we're at yep. and then moves us along. And I think that the greatest thing that I've experienced is that ability to be known from the inside out mm. instead of from the outside in, looking at my outward and then thinking that, oh, she's got it all together or not because I've yeah. been able to conform to some things on the outside. God doesn't deal with our outside. He deals with our inside. Mm. And it, you have to be known yep. from for who you really are. And that's where growth comes. That's Huge. where people come alongside of you and Huge. love you and help you grow. Yeah. So that's been the greatest, <laughs> that's been my greatest joy. I love the way you say words without H's. It's huge. You're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, audience, uh, I want to say um, we're so glad that you're in the studio with us today. And I want to invite you back tomorrow because tomorrow Lydia Dawson is going to be in the studio with us and she is my assistant and helps me keep things in order on a personal level and uh, very excited for you to meet her. And so she's going to come back tomorrow and she's going to talk about what is it like to work for the best, worst pastor ever. In Jesus' name, amen. See you tomorrow.